<laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome to Don't Feed the Artists. I'm Jackson Russo. I'm Adam Selby. Today, from uh, New York City, we have Consider the Source, two-thirds of uh, Consider the Source. I'll yes. let you guys introduce yourselves and what you do in the band. This is Jeff Mann speaking, drums and percussion. This is Gabriel Marin, and I play the high strings. <laughs> the high strings. Uh, so welcome to Denton. You guys have been here plenty of times. Uh, mm-hmm. Y'all are playing at, as we record this right now, y'all are playing at um, Dan's Silverleaf tonight. Y'all have played at like Harvest House. Any other places? Played the Abbey. Yeah, yeah played the Abbey. Oh, we, I forgot about the We used to Abbey. play this rehearsal studio. On, was it uh, Rubber Gloves? No, it was... It was our friend Stu owned a spot on Mass Moss Branch Road, kind of out of town, and that's how we kind of got our start here. We would play like house parties there and stuff. It was fun. Yeah, it's an interesting town. It's you know, great. There's all types of venues here, yeah. which I'm sure in New York City, because y'all are from New York City, right? I'm sure there's all types of spaces there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so welcome back. How was y'all's uh, trip? Y'all just came in from Dallas, so I guess you didn't go too far. Yeah, it's been great. We've been in uh, Texas for almost a week. We got here, I think, Sunday. We had a couple of days off. Just kind of rested, cooked some food, hung out, recharged. And then we played... Um, Austin. We played Austin. Houston. Houston and Dallas. And they're all yeah. great. Yeah, Texas is one of those places where... What is it? Like, how many miles from side to side? You can drive it? 24 hours yeah, you, and still be in Texas. It sucks. Yeah. It's, it's the worst. Like I drove to LA once, and getting out of Texas was the longest part of the drive. We're yeah. doing it all night to Colorado after this. Well, good luck. And it's I've done that. basically it's, it's long. All it's all Texas. Yeah, yeah. I thought there was like five states between Texas and Colorado. It's like Texas. It's like thirteen hours to like um, yeah. I think like Estes Park or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It's and gonna be it's gonna be a minute. It's like all Texas. You touch uh, yeah. New Mexico for a little bit and then you're in Colorado. I think we're going to touch Oklahoma just in a, in a friendly fashion. Okay. Cool, cool. So, uh, as I said, y'all are three-piece. Um, three-piece instrumental. Yes. Uh, I'll let y'all do the genre thing, but mm. from what I've found, you guys are self-described as sci-fi fusion, which I think is uh, very a, a creative uh, use of the genre game. Yeah, um, we say, we say uh Sci-fi Middle Eastern fusion. That's the full that's the thing. Tag, the tagline. That's, that's that line. Yeah, I, I think is really accurate. So, <laughs> I mean, well done. Listening to the music, it is a struggle to put a label to it, and you know, whenever it's kind of something like that, I was like, well, I don't want to offend anybody, so I start looking on like Facebook pages and whatever I can find a find a you know. Totally. And yeah, we're we're pretty all over the place. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a we're not a rock and roll band. It's funny, like when we travel and stuff. You know, we'll just meet someone at a hotel or a gas station or wherever we are and, like, mention that we're in a band or they'll see us carrying instruments. And, like, depending on the person's yeah. like, <laughs> what they look age like. and, yeah, like, what part of the country you're in, like, we describe our band differently, you know. Yeah. <laughs> to I mean, some people, it's like, uh, yeah, we're, like, um, instrumental, so there's no singing. <laughs> and it's kind of like world music mixed with rock. Yeah, that, that's, and that's, that's like a lot for them to handle. That, that, <laughs> that's great though because you can change it and you're never lying. No, yeah. it's true. If you see someone with a metal shirt, we can be like, "Yeah, we get real heavy because we do." And then just, yeah, so yeah, you say you're not a rock band, but you are, and you aren't. Oh no, we are a rock band. I was just saying we're not like yeah, rock and roll, man. Yeah, you're Three not chords just of the truth. You know straight, what I'm saying? You're not Russian circles where it's just the same thing. You know, droning. I, I like Russian circles. <laughs> so you guys have uh, six LPs to your name. Uh, you had a new one that just came out at the beginning of March, correct? Yeah, it's called uh, "You Are Literally a Metaphor." Mm-hmm. 
Uh, how long coming was that one? It's been a while since we put out the last album. <laughs> Maybe uh, the last years. one was three discs, though. So, so yeah, what was it? World War Trio. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. intended to be a double album. We recorded all the music and then added up the track lengths to realize it was more than a double album. <laughs> That's impressive. So we we uh, we yeah. put out yes, we put out like I think it was almost like two and a half hours of music, and then it took us about it took us about four years to get this one. Yeah, and together you, since then. You mentioned like I, I mean I, so a lot of these albums it's not you you have the bands who have like 15 minute songs or 9 minute songs who will only release four to five song albums. Right. But you guys don't do that. You'll re- right. release these 9 minute songs but you'll still have like close to 10 tracks that kind of stuff. And but, it, it's not really that we don't have the songs time-wise it's just we tour so much. Yeah. You know that that's a real situation is the scene that we're in is very much a live scene so we have to do 120 130 shows a year every year doesn't leave much like we wrote and recorded this album in not that much time considering we wrote everything recorded everything within like a month we wrote everything within like a month right Jeff that was like yeah sometimes like a song will get introduced and we'll maybe play it or someone will just show someone the parts and then it might be like four months until we like sit down and work on it and then another and we'll work on it for like a little bit and then another like three months or something and then finally we'll be like all right we've got a month to make this happen and right then, and then we just put it piece it all together and it's kind of like hustle but yeah a lot of it's not a the, the writing process is like very scattered over time until we have a chunk dedicated to go all in and like kind of piece it all together I don't know why people do this, but I have met bands who they tour as frequently as you guys, and they'll say, well, you know, like, as you said, it's hard to find time to record, so they'll, you know, do little pieces of it on the road, and I'm just like, man, that sounds rough. Like, they'll, you know, have two to three nights or days that they'll record in some studio in Texas, and then they'll do something in New York, something in Cali. I could see doing that if you were a band with, like, songs and stuff like that, and it was, like... If I was recording songs and I could be like boom do these, but like as we're like for us and stuff, it doesn't work like that. Like a lot, it's us is capturing our performance yeah. more than more than anything like that. We we were, you know, combined. We were in the studio for a very little period of time because we do so much stuff live. You know, we yeah, and we don't dwell on things. We're we're pretty quick, so it's not like um, the actual recording and writing is not a long process. It's just we have so much other stuff going on all the time. Yeah. yeah. Plus another thing is like uh, we have a lot of equipment that um yeah. isn't the sort of stuff that studios just have mm-hmm. where you couldn't just kind of drop in and, and lay down a couple of tracks it's like a day almost of loading in equipment and making sure everything works and setting it up and getting the sounds together then and then once it's set up we want to be like all right now we're yeah we're set let's like spend a, a week or two here yeah don't move it um but we have done we have done a lot of cool stuff on the road not like recording tracks for our cds but we've done some cool um Live, we put out a couple of live CDs from some shows. We've done some like uh, we did a really cool thing at um, Adult Swim, yeah, in Atlanta. They had a show that we were like did a green screen performance. Fifth Center Live, yeah, that was really cool. So we'll do we'll do some things like that and, and the Telefunken one. We and we've also like yeah, we did a Telefunken thing live in the studio, and uh, we've also been able to on the road sometimes if we're at a place that has like a, a rehearsal studio, we may, maybe make like a play along or do a lesson video or something like that. Yeah. So we've been able to do certain types of things like that, but as far as like recording the album, that's that's a 
something we need to be kind of home for. Yeah. That, yeah. that uh, adult swim thing is actually really cool. Uh, daughters actually did uh, one of those green screen live things. Nice. And uh, it, it's interesting how adult swim has become this kind of like, I mean, I guess it kind of always was with like introducing people to like boards of Canada and stuff, but it kind of has this come become this kind of thing, like an indie label of like, oh, yeah, they, they do like go free here tracks to check, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Go here to check out, uh, you know, good music that you probably wouldn't hear just in general. Well, they've yeah, always they, been onto that stuff. I remember Space, Space Ghost Coast to Coast was like the first Adult Swim show. Oh like, yeah, I'm older than you guys, and uh, like hey, man, I was a kid. That. When, yeah, I still watched I was a kid. it. <laughs> I was I was a kid when that came up, but I was just old enough to be really into all the first Adult Swim shows, and they always had like cool bands on there. You know, I remember yeah. Metallica was on, and uh, they were on the. What was that they were on Space Coast Coast to Coast playing like these little toy nice. guitar things and they had they had all sorts of crazy stuff like that they used to have and then they would have like Mastodon do songs and stuff like that so they, yeah. they, they were always cool about that but now they've been like more blatant so you, you kind of touched on it and you, you may have even answered it but uh, so a lot of this stuff you know you are touring a lot you guys uh, hopefully you don't take this offensively but you, you are a live band in mm-hmm. a lot of the ways um, which you're not just always just playing exactly what's on a track, which is a great thing. But when it comes to that, uh, in a writing process, how much of that is jamming and how much of it is, you know, sitting down with your instrument, coming up with a, a riff or whatever. It's, it's a balance. It's, um, for the, for the albums, we definitely try and flush things out as much as possible when it comes to like the parts and stuff like that. We're not really, as much of a band of like let's go into the studio and like write the songs or like finish them out we'll we'll pretty much have the things um arranged for the most part and parts written but we'll leave some sections that are like uh solo sections or kind of like group improv sections mm-hmm. open we won't rehearse those we'll leave them for this just for playing you know that kind of stuff um if we if we blow through a couple of takes we'll usually just need a couple passes and get something that we're all like, all right, that's, that's cool. Like that's, you know, that's what we sound like. We can't really, we don't really want to fake what yeah. we sound like jamming or playing like a solo or anything. And now that we're faking the other parts, but the, the other parts are more in the studio situation, you know, more things that you layer mm-hmm. or sometimes we'll mostly record to a click, but sometimes when we do the improv sections, we'll just take the click out completely. Yeah. Not, not worry about it. So, and you mentioned that you guys uh, are, you know, a lot of this happens live. So because of that, I would assume you guys released live albums to kind of capture that. And well, we put out two live albums um, in the in the space between before when uh, when Jeff first joined the group and well, before we put out the double album, we and, put out and also some of the other CDs had live tracks on them. Yeah, one of the CDs had live tracks on them. Yeah, by the uh, way, the that's live what's up. album. Yeah. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Yeah. Great name. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. I'm um, surprised y'all got that. I'm surprised nobody. I know, had man. Done that I know. Yet. We want to do. We want to do more. If we're gonna do some more of that. Um, yeah, we had some live tracks on our album called "That's What's Up." Three, three of the tunes were live. I think maybe. Yeah. So it's always kind of been an element. Yeah, and also we do all the jams live. I mean, like it, you know, the the fact is, like, if if you look at some of the songs on our album, and the new one, like, the the jams are all us live. And then, so we would like record the song to that point, and then we would record the song after that point, as piece, and then put you know, and then the jams we just all of us in the you know the room doing together. You know, we don't punch things in like that. You know, a solo 
if it's a four minute jam, that's that. That's how we played it. Yeah. So, so um, and with kind of instrumental music, and this is something I've always been specifically curious about. Uh, do you guys consider instrumental music or more y'all's music having um, choruses, or is it just kind of yeah movements? Our songs are songs more than almost any other instrumental band. People like sing along to our choruses. You yeah, know, like our songs are super like. Certain songs of ours, if someone was singing them, would be like popular songs. Like, you know, it just be that uh, it, we write like tuneful, which is weird because some, you know, we definitely play really crazy stuff and sometimes get linked in like a musician's band category, which I can see, but our stuff is way less musician y than other instrumental stuff. You know, we have like beautiful choruses that are like anthem choruses, it's just instrumental. And that's a smart thing to do in this day and age where, you know, I wouldn't say instrumental bands are really on pop radio, but that keeps it accessible for someone who's dragging their friend along to a yeah. show who probably yeah. doesn't know you. And the majority of it definitely is like if you if you were to chart out a song, it's mostly like you know first pre-chorus, chorus, first two cool. pre-chorus, chorus, solo. Pre, you know, it's like extended pop songs. Yeah, some of them have uh, you know. Yeah. Pre pre chorus. Yeah, pre chorus A, pre chorus B, <laughs> chorus A, chorus B, you know, but like they yeah, all first A prime. Started. Yeah, exactly. They all we do we write out these plates. But yeah, we, we do we do think in terms of cor- like choruses and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean and those like classical musicians, you know, Bach, Chopin and all that stuff, like, you know, save for the, the the huge songs that everyone knows, you know, it can it's hard to really remember all the movements unless you are a classically trained well, musician. Well you remember you remember like the big anthem parts and there's like exactly. you know, and there's like thematic development and there's like theme and variations and you remember the theme and stuff, but it's like, you know, I love classical music, I went to college for classical music, you know, we all we all take big influence from that. And um but we will take that stuff harmonically. But sometimes uh with the instrumental prog bands, they sometimes write stuff more like a classical thing. And sometimes I don't get the the sense of song from it. It kind of just sounds like check out all these crazy things we can do with our instruments. And I never want us to be a band that's about like uh, what we can. It's not about how crazy we play. That's just a thing that happens. Yeah, I, and that touches on kind of this thing that with a lot of I love prog metal. It's probably one of my favorite genres. But there are bands like Between the Buried and Me and stuff like that who will have these like they'll have a really cool idea, but they'll play it for 10 seconds and then never touch on it again. It's like, well, if you had done that for maybe a minute, yeah. like that would be a chorus right there, but I can't latch on to it because you're already on to the next thing. And it's like, it's awesome that you have this many ideas, but you know, there's a cutting room floor. Yeah. Yeah. You guys do have a lot of effects and um, do you ever find yourself uh, kind of writing or, you know, I keep saying writing or in, with when you're rehearsing or whatnot, uh, kind of with the live show in mind, because there is three of you, which, if you think about it, that can be the very bare bones of what a band can be. And you have a lot of effects, and you know, you have a double neck guitar and that kind yeah. of stuff. Do you find yourself, you know, using those uh, writing with the effects in mind? Is that kind of an extension of your instrument? Well, 100%. I mean, the effects is. When I'm home touring, I'm not shredding. I'm mostly making like weird sounds or playing my acoustic instruments and stuff. So like, the sounds are as important because for me it's like a orchestration stuff. Like, a composer would have like clarinets or violins or we, you know, I have phasers and flangers and choruses and all that stuff to pass things around and, you know, won't really be concerned with the live thing. We'll record something, especially more in the past. This last live album, this last album, we um made a conscious effort to kind of like uh 
at least on my part, to do way less overdubs than normal. Normally, I would do like, you know, a lot of tracks on some songs. There's only one or two songs in this album that have like, you know, 10, 15 tracks. The rest have just like three or four parts and stuff like that to be able to make it come across more live. We're often in this kind of music, music uh, the genre of uh, instrumental, if that can even be called a genre. Um, it's like calling indie a genre, whereas indie can be right. a thousand things. Um, it can become guitar oriented or people assume immediately like, oh, it's a guitar band. But I think that's one of the things that y'all do really well is if all this stuff blends together, you can listen to just guitar, you can listen to just drums, you can listen to the bass, and everybody feels like a lead instrument, but not in a busy sort of way. Right. And I imagine that's got to be difficult to kind of do, or if you're even it, thinking about that. We are thinking about it. It's a very much a conscious thing that is this, this is a three-person band. This is not a a one person and rhythm section or one person and other thing. That's not that this is, this is a, the three of us coming together to, to create the sound. And so we are all conscious of that. Um, you know, if someone is playing something too much, we'll be able to, you know, edit it that way, but also like just the sound of our instruments kind of, uh, there's three of us there's, so there should be enough room. I should be up on the high range. Yeah. The bass can be in the low range and the drums can, you know, so we all should theoretically not be, be able to not clash like that, you know, so. Yeah, it's not like a keyboard player who's staying on the low end. Right. Who like, shouldn't Right, be. like I'll be like the guitar player and the keyboard player. John will be the, the bass player and the rhythm guitar player. And Jeff will be the drummer and the percussionist and stuff. And so. Yeah. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the gear. Uh, so you do play a double neck guitar, mm-hmm. five string bass. I don't know. Do you have a ton of, uh, with drums, uh, not everybody needs to be a Neil Peart setup to yeah. sound huge. Um, but yeah, I got a couple extra things. I have, um, usually a doom Beck or like Darbuka drum that I'll play with my hands and, um, like an electronic percussion, electronic sample pad. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, I mean, so the double neck guitar, that that thing's got to be custom, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So what all is on that thing? Like, can you describe it as much as you would like? Yeah, the, the, the quick, I'll give the, the quick version is it's a, it's a fretless guitar on top. It's a fretted guitar on the bottom. And they both give you guitar and MIDI outputs. And it's made by a, it's a custom, this new one is a company called Vigier. It's a French company, and it's a custom model that they made for me with some crazy electronics on it. It's like a one-of-a-kind thing. It has like these crazy sustain pickups on it. Paul Vo, who was the Moog's chief inventor, invented this thing, and I got like the prototypes for that. And um, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's uh, this huge, incredibly heavy, limitless instrument that I like. It. It's double necks, so you, yeah. you have both necks, but yeah. uh, they're at enough of a distance that the, the fretless guitar is really high up. Did you have to learn to play that way, or is that something you've I'm, always been comfortable? Well, you know, so when I was young and cool, I wore my guitar low because that's what young and cool people do. And then as I became a better musician and became less concerned with coolness, I just find that like if I, I have to wear a guitar really high to be comfortable. So if I just play a single neck, I look like a fucking dweeb. So the <laughs> double neck really makes it a lot nicer because then I can have it. Because if I have a single neck, it's up in my chin because that's just where I feel comfortable, you know. So I get that Tom Morello looking thing happening. So the double neck actually kind of gives me a little bit more gusto. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. It gives you best of both worlds. Yeah, man. It's not, <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not yeah. trying to, 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 to walk around the stage with my 
my guitar by my balls. That's those days are done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every time I see someone like Slash or anything playing it all the way down low, it's like, but how much better could you be if you but, were up a little bit? I know, but but the, the the real thing is no one gives a shit in that genre. The fact that he <laughs> looks like that is all that anyone gives a shit about. Like those guys that 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 that's the thing is like people like when when you. Do, <laughs> As a grown-up, I really understand that people really don't know, and they just don't care. They see a guy play three notes on a guitar, and he makes a face, and he's, then he's a great guitar player. Yeah, That guy's a great guitar player. He has his sunglasses on at night, and he fucking plays his guitar with his teeth. He's great. you know. So that's yeah. that's what people care about. So They boosted Flea in the mix, so he's the best bassist in the world. <laughs> yeah. I won't get into that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then also you have uh, the pedal board, the mo- mothership, the many pedal boards. Yeah. So, have you ever thought about going like Axe Effects or something nah. like that? Nah. Any reason why? Can't improvise. That's and I true. Like, I like real sounds. I don't like. Uh, I don't like the way things sound nowadays. It all sounds fake and clean. I would never, and I agree with you. The uh, sound has warts and fuzziness and spaceship sounds. I don't. Yeah. I don't care about being clean and. You near the, the springs and your reverb, yeah, man, that kind of thing. I'm not about scrubbing something and giving giving that. That's not what it's about. Yeah, I, I think I, I can see it both ways. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think there can be a happy in between. Um, yeah, I mean, some people are great at writing out really intricate solos and playing them every night. Yeah, I've never ever once wanted even wanted to think about writing a solo. Yeah, and there there's things about the Axe Effects things where I I, I see a lot of bands who will um, use it on tour and then they said people will go yeah do you write with her they're like absolutely not you can't like in the studio we have like 12 amps and we have hundreds of pedals like you just can't write with this one little board that you have to make sound exactly like a solo you played 10 years ago Mm -hmm. that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so but there is that also a nice thing of kind of being able to pack it up in your bag, have your right, guitar. Yeah. Again, if I played in a band with songs, no question. If I was in a band when there was a vocalist and we played like things like that, that sort of situation could work. But being able, wanting yeah. to improvise and stuff like that, that's just it's, it's not for me. I think in New York City, I mean, and you guys live there, <laughs> so I'm not going to talk like I know, but I think if I lived in New York, I would probably downsize to like an Axe Effects or something just so I can ride <laughs> on the subway there. We play in New there. York though, man. You know, that's the thing is we play in New York like twice a year so we drive and like all my, all the gigs that I get hired for outside of it are just with my acoustic instruments and that's just a whole yeah. different thing. So, you know. That makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Um, so you guys have done a lot of touring including outside the US. Uh, how long have y'all, did, when you first started, was it, it immediately touring or was there, there kind of that infancy period where you kind of, you know, got used to the band, got your your bearings, and then started touring, or was it immediate? Well, this band really had a slow start because we didn't really think this was gonna, you know, we do. If no one's gonna tell you playing crazy instrumental world music is a smart career thing, <laughs> you know, so we all started to do this because this was like we met and we're just like, oh, this is really fun. Let's just do this, and then we started to play, and then. We would play like crazy things and bro- like house parties in Brooklyn and just like warehouse parties in the Lower East Side and just like, you know, cool things. And then over like the course of like three years, all of a sudden, like people were paying attention and liked it. And it was like, is this going to be our main project? Are we going to really try to? And then so it took a while to get rolling to actually believe that this was going to be a thing. We were just like, this is really, really fun. This is great music. We were in other bands with singers or whatever doing other. And, and then just gradually happened that this became the thing that was, you know, people were paying attention to. And so then we started to branch up to like upstate New York and then the the 
in the MySpace days, you know, we didn't know anything about the jam band scene. Uh, we had none of, you know, we weren't at all hippies or connected to anything with the, anything. So we had no idea. And this was before any of the, the, the prog metal bands that are popular nowadays were popular. So there was zero besides like free jazz stuff that we thought we were associated with. So like, we were just like, well, I don't know what to do, you know? And then, and then, you know, um, our bass player and original drummer reached out to other bands and we put together some like things across the country and then it started to just go from there. Yeah. I I feel like you guys would really fit in and like most every type of scene I can think of in the sense that you could play DIY venues, you could play kind of like mm-hmm. guitar festivals, you could play just a, a regular festival, yeah, you could play with metal bands. But we scare people away in writing. Once people see us, but they see like world music, science, they they see like Middle Eastern stuff, and they just get they don't they metal guys see that we play the jam band stuff, they don't want a part of it. Jam band guys see sometimes that we play metal stuff, they don't want a part of it. So sometimes we like, and then people see us and they're into it, but it's it's, it's zero easiness otherwise. Yeah, I think that can be said for a lot of, and that might be one of the things about music today is that it. I think there are so many amazing bands out there. I don't think there is this select few, you know, pop musicians who are the best in the world. I think there are many like them, but it's getting people out to see them. And then as soon as they see them, they're like, oh shit, this person's in my backyard and I could pay five to 10 bucks to see them instead of paying 70 to go to some huge venue. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, So talking about touring, you guys have toured a ton, as you said, what, like a hundred plus days a year. That's the plan every year for many years all right i mean do y'all love touring is it, yeah. or is that like something you, that you have to at that point yeah i love it cool yeah cool absolutely it. it's the best so it fucks you up mentally and physically <laughs> and i love it i mean it just like honestly besides the we're at a point now where we get nice hotels and we eat well and stuff so it's, it's just the sleeping situation that becomes rough but I, I i you miss people back home and all that stuff without question but being on tour is just playing it would be weird playing the same songs every night, but even like we play the songs, but we can improvise so much that like every day is like a new experience. So it's kind of like, all right, let's see what today gets you. That's a good thought. And I've never really thought about that because I play music and yeah. when I do it, it's the same song over and over again. I'm not good at improvising at all. So yeah. definitely different wheelhouse, but that I could see that being super appealing is oh, being man. able to change things up every night. Be yeah. like, I, I did the solo in a, this mode last night, I'm going to start in a totally different one tonight. That's or awesome. Listen to this in the car, and I want to try to do that. You know what I'm saying? That sort of stuff you can constantly yeah. be. And I feel like being able to, you know, kind of quote unquote mess things up is more inherent in that because it's like, well, I'm trying something new. Oh, yeah. And if I didn't do that, you oh, know, yeah. then we, we would go have gotten this new thing. That's one of the things about this band is that we always encourage each other to go for it. If someone is going for something new and they kind of mess up, it's so much cooler than playing something safe. Yeah. You know, so if, if one of us goes for Phil and it kind of falls a little bit short, that's not that that's that's fine. Some certain bands are not okay with that. That's a thing that's a we're okay with we would much rather have that energy of the moment of just like here's the thing that's happening right now and won't ever happen again. Yeah, and it's funny because I feel like in, you know, another world of, like, comedy, when people say, like, oh, so-and-so, like, Stephen Colbert is a great improv person, you go in there and you're so accepting when there's flubs, you're yeah. like, yeah, this is natural, this is real, where, and I feel like totally. it, it, it's, when you tell somebody, like, improv music, they they expect you to be perfect, and it's like... Well, music in general, if you listen to, like, rock records, there's mistakes 
the 60s. There's mistakes in the 70s. And then slowly the mistakes start to get filtered out. But if you listen to Sabbath albums and stuff like that, Tony Yomi's bending notes not perfectly. The, 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 there's drum fills that are not quite lining up. Not everything is perfectly in tune. You hear the squeaking of the fingers on the strings. It's so cool. And then all of a sudden, everything became this inhuman level of, I'm going to record things bar by bar, measure by measure. I'm going to slow thing. It just became this this weird, like, fake, like, it's the equivalent of, like, Photoshopping your face for your pores away and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just, there's nothing that's, like, I have no idea what people really sound like. You have no idea what people really look like. You know, it's just this weird illusion. So in that same thought, um, would you do? You, how do you feel about bands who they're still playing live and they have that stuff, but then they have this extra so much layering that it, it adds more atmosphere, even though there still are the flubs. Is that something you're more against, or do you, you know, like the the live music more than having you know a John Mayer type who is like this perfectionist but you know he layers so much on that it's a pop record if you play along with pre-recorded stuff live i think you're (laughs) something that i don't care for most of the time i really really feel very 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 strongly that when you have your other elements you're playing to a pre-recorded thing live you are a word that i don't want to repeat on this (laughs) and there's a lot of great musicians that do that i'm sorry about that i just think it's so chumpy like don't play along to pre-recorded stuff, man. And I remember when Millie, Millie Vanilli getting caught doing that stuff was like a, a huge scandal, and now everyone's okay with it. Yeah, now like you, pro- metal play. bands do that. Yeah. Metal bands do that. Prog bands have like melodies being played by things that aren't on stage. That's just like it. Just to me, it seems like anathema to what this music is supposed to be about. Yeah, and I would never see a jazz thing doing that. You would never see that. You never see something that had like the gusto being like playing along to pre-recorded stuff. It's, it's it's to me it's gross. You must love DJs. No, I like I respect <laughs> I love sound, so I definitely respect electronic music as a comp- compositional thing when it can be. Um, I love electronic music, but as a live thing, I've never gone to see it, and I just don't think I would like that. We play a lot of festivals with a lot of DJs, and it does elude me. Yeah. I've definitely watched a lot of people that are famous from behind stage and being like, you're doing nothing. You are literally doing nothing. Yeah. You're jumping around with one hand in the air, and it's counting to three, Yeah, and then saying something. But again, it's, it's you know, pe- everything has its right place. There are people like uh, electronic musicians that I admire immensely like um apex twin He's, or what am i, I just bought a Fl- uh, flying lotus i just bought a venetian snares nice. cd on the way here square pusher yeah yeah that stuff you know electronic music is great it's just there's there's like the pop version of it but there's the pop version of everything that sucks yeah so you can't you can't you know like call i honestly don't even know who's popular but that 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 <laughs> pop edm stuff that you hear that is <laughs> oh man it's so bad it's just like there was one of those uh, musicians who just recently did like a, a live show, quote yeah. unquote, in uh, Fortnite, the video game. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it's also like uh, people have been talking about, he had millions. It's the first uh, live concert in a uh, virtual world. And it's like, is it live though? Like that. As a DJ, it's not like it, it's it's super it's strange. DJ, yeah. As a DJ, it's, that's that's a different thing. I did I did something in college that was similar to that. What was it called? It was called like uh, I think it's called like Half Life or something. Mm-hmm. But it was like a dig- it was like a virtual world, and you could like you could be a band playing in a rehearsal studio, and stream it to like a digital venue. So people like go online and pay like five dollars to like watch your live stream in their home. 
That's cool. But I thought that was cool, but that's yeah. different than like someone signing on and then hitting play on their computer and you just listen to their music, you know? Yeah. Things are weird now how we uh, just kind of like all these things that you would have paid 10 bucks for a year yeah. or like five, even five years ago, 10 years ago. Like people are just like, wait, no, I can just go on YouTube and watch the live oh, show. Yeah. Why would I, yeah. why would I pay for it? I, I remember we like, uh, I think the last album, the double album we had put out a video and I was like, go and stream the thing and somewhere to come. I just heard it. Why would I go buy it? And I was just like, yeah, yeah. I'm not even gonna answer that, but like that mentality of like, well, because there's been a devaluation of stuff where like people don't understand that like when they go online and they take this orchestral sample, someone played that, someone wrote that. It's yeah. just not just this thing that exists, but you know, there's a music education has been taken out of school so much that people don't have really a, a lot of people don't have a concept of music as an art and not just something to shake your ass to and. Yep. yell about possessions that you have and people that you don't like and stuff well and with this kind of like the rate of exchange nowadays people you know someone like a radiohead or someone who takes years to release an album and then it comes out and people stream it for a week a month tops and then they're immediately like on to the next thing it's so it it's such a complacency that i just can't understand like whenever i hear this i'm like wow how did they do this it's so impressive this means something to someone where as now, not to, you know, rag on people who like pop music and stuff, but like there is that kind of feeling of like, oh, this is something that I have a right to and I'm going to move on, right. you know, well, like that's, a bag that's of a chips. That's the difference is that pop music will always exist and always should exist and there's no problem with that. There just needs to be more of a balance. Yeah. That's the real issue is the lack of balance is that um you should always have new mo- music because there's always going to be 13-year-olds. There's always going to be like 14-year-olds that don't know better, and this is the new thing. And that's cool, and that's a cycle. But there should always be the balance. And like, you know, I'm not talking like 50-50, 90-10. Yeah. Oh, I'll be 90-10 split between crap music and 10% just brain music or at least music with something would be great. That kind of seemed to be what like used to be like the 90s, the 70s, these times you would have – you would have all this crap that was popular, and that's great. And then you would have some music that was still popular but was cool. Tool could put out a seven-minute song, and it was a single. Radiohead could put out a seven-minute weird video with a song with no chorus, and it could be a single, and people would buy it. And that was awesome, and that existed. Now you really – besides like Kendrick Lamar, you have nothing in the mainstream with any sort of intellectual gusto behind it. And he's the only one that has like really smart lyrics and music that's cool. But in, in the rock thing, you know, you know, a lot of modern rock bands, they just they look they haven't changed anything. Yeah. And if they've upgraded something, it's just like very pop elements they've taken. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting in like twenty to thirty years where, you know, we still have some of those bands like Radiohead or something that are able to do something and people will try it out no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um It'll be interesting in 20 or 30 years when those guys are gone and to see if there is somebody who well, rises who up to that. Because I remember, you know, like, I don't remember, but like, you know, the television has told me that when disco was popular, people said that rock was dead and then yeah, stuff came back. The thing is, it's been a longer time of intellectual decline artistically it hasn't been like three years of crap music it's been like 20 years of anti-intellectualism happening at this point so it's gonna and like i'm not sure if there's gonna be a younger generation coming up being like we want to think more 
<laughs> I don't necessarily see that with all the the kids with the face tattoos, but I, love I hope that I'm thought. wrong. I want to think more. That'd be great. I don't think I've ever had that thought, but it, uh, yeah. yeah, not at least consciously. <laughs> um, so let's let's move on to tour stories. Yeah. I, I'm sure you guys got some highs and lows, sure. low lows, high mm-hmm. highs, whatever you want to talk about. The the low lows are are definitely uh, like travel vehicle issues. <laughs> There's nothing. I don't think people have talked about that that much yeah, on here. We've only had maybe one or two. Is that right. is that a joke or? Uh, no, I'm serious. Oh like, wow, seriously. People, <laughs> all right, because this people more talk about like druggies they bump into stuff like that. Okay, because yeah, lodging. I think I think it's a truth that like a lot of times like we would. We play a lot of shows and we travel a lot. And when something wrong happens, like it feels sometimes like it doesn't happen to other bands or like, why has this happened to us? But then it happens like again. And sometimes it can be like a lot of stuff at once. But I I, I, I feel like that happens with most bands, at least bands that tour as much as, as we do. I remember seeing even like a, a Meshuggah documentary where they were in India and like their van broke down. And they were like, yep, another van breakdown. Like this has been happening for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Yeah, there's just nothing worse than like starting a eight hour drive home at two in the morning and like having the van break down like twenty minutes into it. Well, I mean, it could having be- to scramble or being stranded on the side of the road. There's, there's. I have one specific memory. This is like a a, a low low, but it was also like a, just a funny like realization where we were we were like on the road, finished a tour, van broke down, and we had to like leave the van and walk to like a mechanic or something. We had to walk somewhere to get help. And it was like three or four of us walking down this kind of like highway, just like dirty, smelly, beaten down from the road. And we were just like a day away from being home back to like our apartments and like (laughs) regular kind of like domestic life. And like, I could only imagine like the thoughts of all the people driving past us. Just like seeing these guys walking around down the highway, like we must have just looked like I don't know. We were just like looking for drugs on the side of the highway or something. Yeah, like Color, we were just a colorful bunch. Yeah, so I, 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 it was funny though because I was just like, man, I gotta look differently at every person that I've ever seen <laughs> walk on the side of the road now because they're just pro- maybe a band that's just finishing a tour. Maybe they're just just a band, just a normal band. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, everybody th- take that to heart. That may be. The next uh, big musician on the side. That's of the road. right. That's right. Just walking. Or already just, a big musician. Just walking to get their van fixed. <laughs> um, but th- those have been like the low moments. I'd say the, the only thing is because, like, the worst thing that can ever happen. Like, like I said, that, that's happened on like sometimes when it's a drive home. But the the real worst thing that can ever happen is like missing your show. You know. And like, the whole, the whole we've point. Only done that a couple of times. Yeah, like the whole point is to to play the shows. So like, every time we see a band post somewhere it's like bands broke like sorry to say bands broken down like we can't make the show here like that hurts us so much we see that we're like oh man we feel your pain there's nothing worse than like looking forward to being in a city for months and then just being in a hotel room a couple hours outside not doing anything but watching tv instead of playing the thing that sucks about that too is like not only are you like shit i didn't get to play this show but at least with me whenever something like that happens i started thinking like oh man is that promoter now going to hate me and right, like hold yeah. this against well, me? I'll never be able to play with them again. Let's worry about the, the, the thing that's been fans. the thing yeah, that's been good for that us too. is uh, we've we've been doing this a lot. So like the the fifth time the van breaks down, you don't you learn not to panic quite as much and stuff like that. So we've been able to 
to solve most situations where we've rented a vehicle or scrambled, but uh, it's always like a relief when it happens. A lot of times we'll tell the audience too, like we'll be like, yeah. "Thanks for coming out tonight." Like, we broke down. It took us ten hours to get here. <laughs> like, thanks, you know, thanks for coming. But like, it must be hard to like bum, uh, like so say you couldn't bring all your gear in like a rental car. Yeah, you can't really bum uh, that custom no, we, guitar off. We managed, we managed <laughs> no. to make it all happen though. Like we we managed to make it with our gear at most points, but it's it it happens and at the end it's great. But the the level of like panic and stress that comes like in an instant <laughs> yeah. where it's like, there's so many pieces of the puzzle you have to make work where it's like, all right, I got to find a find a vehicle that can fit all of our stuff. We have to figure out a place that can repair our stuff. It's Sunday places are closed, whatever. So th- those can be, I'd say the low moments. We haven't had any, uh, you know, like terrible, terrible low moments. We've been able to get through most of the situations in the you're, end. You're going to be very calm and collected in the apocalypse. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm ready for freaking. it. Well, we're in Texas, so we yeah. know people with guns. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we used to have one friend we stayed with in Texas that we were always like zombie apocalypse ha- in Denton. Denton. Yeah. We were like, when the zombie apocalypse happens, we're coming to Denton yeah. Yeah. and we're staying with our boy Stu. <laughs> yeah. Well, the regular joke slash meme is that it's like, it's literally like uh, LARPing here because you can open carry guns and swords so you could walk down the street with like a double-handed you know <laughs> medieval sword can, that's so crazy yep man. and that's legal as so. a new yorker that's like it's such a crazy concept yeah over here uh people love the shitty politicians at least y'all know trump sucks there so and i've known trump sucks since since i was like five years old yeah. and he bought tons of real estate in my neighborhood so since it's yeah, I was been, it, say, New York knows better than anybody. Anyone. So it's, it's, it's been a thing I've York. heard my whole life. So that's why it's a, such a funny thing that when he started to run, everyone was like, we hate this guy. We've hated, I've, I've, I've heard my parents complaining about this dude since as long as, since I've been a child, since I've been around. Yeah. He lost his own state, oh, his own yeah. city. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Fuck him. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's getting back to what you're saying. Those are some of like the low lows, high highs, like musically, some of the high highs for me have been like all the bands you've gotten to see and meet and musicians you've got to play with like a total mega music fan like i was just digging through crates of like two dollar cds looking for yeah you know good finds and stuff that's a good attitude to keep because a lot of people i mean i've met promoters not you know touring musicians promoters so they're you know five shows a week and they're just like they're like yeah when i drive home it's complete silence i've just like done so much music i can't listen anymore it's like I never want to get that way, dude. No, I, yeah, <laughs> I can't. I can't get good. enough. And like, yeah. sometimes we get like surprised in the road. Like this tour has been really cool. One of the, the first night, first night of the tour, like I'm a big bluegrass fan, and in the room next to us there was like the Traveling McCorys and Jeff Austin band was playing like a bluegrass show, so we got to see some of that. And then another night we rolled up to a venue, and Doctor Dog was playing. I got to check out some of that. And uh, we, we, we toured in Germany. We got to tour this band Panzer Ballet. That was awesome. one of the most incredible live oh my god like technical music displays i've ever seen and we got to see it like five six nights in a row we did a tribute with uh our friends in this band kung fu and they had uh bernard purdy on drums as special guest and got to like meet him we did a thing recently with soul live and john schofield was a guest and we were just like sitting in a green room talking to john schofield so like for for me a lot of those moments are like super highs where it's like oh my god like I'm just sitting in a room with John Schofield, yeah, and it's like normal. Like this yeah. is this is crazy to me, or things like that. 
so musically those are like a lot of the highs are just like like i love playing playing the festivals and playing shows and having audiences is incredible but i still get to like be a music fan at the same time like we play a festival and we play and then i get to see six more bands like yeah. I'll, I'll i can't get enough of that and then um aside from music like with the touring i love i love traveling i love seeing uh all the cities and like hiking and checking out parks and parks and trails and stuff and there'll be moments where like we'll play a show and the next morning i'll find like a big you know lake or a trail or something get to a top of a hike and i'll just like laugh to myself and be like man this is like yeah this is like the morning of my day at work right now like i'm just in another state another place yeah it's a pretty lucky thing and i know that it can be rough touring so much but then it also it balances out and often it's more tipped on the scale of like memories are more cherished than like oh yeah our band oh yeah down but yeah i love i love i love the travel i love trying to see see all the different cities and and like how you say, we've been coming to Denton a lot. Like the first tour I did with the band, we, we came to Denton and stuff. And there's certain places we go where it's like we have our favorite Thai food spot. We have our favorite coffee shop. We have our favorite record, record store. We have our favorite park to go to or whatever. So it's like even though you're far from home, some places get to be familiar. And uh, like when we're going to Boulder mm-hmm. in Colorado, we'll be, we'll be there soon. And uh me and John always hike the flat irons when we go there. It's like a yeah. famous hike that we always do and stuff. So I, I love all that stuff. It's really, I think it's really cool. Even the massive musicians aren't able to do that kind of stuff. And, you know, the bands who only t- tour like 30 days out of a year, maybe every other year, mm-hmm. like they don't know Dallas. Yeah, they they're don't. here for like, you know, 12 hours. Like they don't have yeah, they're, they're spots, so that's pretty cool. We only get that in certain places, yeah. you know, like certain cities. It's just like certain cities we've been to nine times and we've never seen anything but the venue and that's it. And then, you know, it's mostly days off. Like, Jeff will go hiking in the morning, and I'll try to find, like, whatever ethnicity is prominent in that city and get some good food. We're in Minneapolis. I get, like, Somalian food and all that stuff. So I, I try to explore. That's this. pretty cool. I'm a city boy. I like to explore the cities as much as possible and try to do that sort of stuff. And that's great. So there's certain cities that I've been able to, like, go through. And, you know, it's yeah, it's, it's one of the nice things about stuff. Like, um, the travel aspect is great. Certain things are rough in the moment, but you're like... I remember very vividly we had one one place we stayed that was very scary and but it was humorous and we were just like if we survive this it's going to be a great story and that's the attitude we have a lot of the times about some shit when we know something is rough is like right but this will pass and then for a long time it'll be a really funny thing that we can joke about yeah. and so all the a lot of the breakdowns that have been shitty in the moment have had humorous things that we can joke about for years afterwards so that's just kind of an attitude. We, we're, we've been through this enough times that you you can you get this bleak humor where it's like, oh well, at least it's not blah. And then and then you know, and so you have all these, um, you know, at least it's not raining. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you get you get this attitude of that. It is that attitude of like you know, the more struggle can bring people closer together. That kind of thing. Well, yeah, and also we're super close. We're very 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 close. You know. As people, we want each other to be happy. We want it, we want that. Like where sometimes you see bands and guys are kind of dicks, or they're just kind of like antagonistic, or just kind of like business relationship. You know, we really care about each other, and like, uh, and that's awesome because it's like being on tour with your friends, and and you can also know when your friends want to, these friends want to do this, these friends want to do this, and we're all adults enough now to have learned the space that we all need to be able to like have a happy day and then be like, let's play the show together and all be excited to hang out and stuff. So it's, yeah. it's a nice to be able to like be mature enough to reach that balance. And 
you know. Yeah. Well, any more uh, highs or lows y'all want to talk about? Hi. We played a couple of shows with my old guitar teacher, Dave Fuzinski. Oh, yeah. A couple of years ago, we did. He was in a band called Keith. That's kind of one of the main inspirations for us forming as a band. It was like one of those things that just heard was like, want to be in a band like that. K-I-F. Yeah. And we got to do some songs with the three of us plus him doing those songs. And that was like a dream because like I remember first listening to that CD and being like, man, if ever we could do music that sounded like this, I'd be so happy. And then we're doing those songs and like doubling the lines with him. And it was just like, it was it was a cool moment, you know, so that that, that was a musical definitely like a musical high point um we did this tour of india that was really fun playing like um playing music and like a, a thousand seated people in india auditorium and stuff like that it was a very surreal surreal memories just looking back and like this is a different yeah. crowd than the I'm what we're used to curious what you know you guys have played in multiple countries like yeah. what what's that experience like not necessarily asking like oh which one's your favorite but like what is different from you know yeah, India? Totally, different. Yeah, 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 different infrastructure. Well, one one thing that's super uh, super different was we played Germany, and um, the crowd was very noticeably different. The crowd behavior, like much more similar to like an audience watching a movie than your typical like concert crowd of like so it kind of felt subdued kind it was of? great no yeah. they, 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 well, it felt like well, people subdued really until the song attention. was over but like a lot less like conversations happening during the music and a lot Not looking at your phone yeah mm-hmm. exactly it was much more like the show's starting and then like pay attention pay attention yeah. but for us it was so different that like we couldn't read it because we're used to like in certain parts of the song maybe someone's cheering or saying something or whatever so it was like the song ended and like we were all kind of like, do they like us? And then there was like a second and everyone started clapping and cheering. We're like, okay, they like us. They yeah, just that, like us in a different, it's just like a different way of expressing it, how they like us. But it's the same thing with the promoters. It seems like they just care about, they they care more about music. Like every promoter in Germany and even in Israel and other countries, like they made sure that they gave you your rider. They made sure that you were comfortable. It's like they, they cared about you as a person and, and like they well, just respect more music. They respect music more. And that was the thing is like we were, when we started the song, people stopped talking. And that just doesn't happen sometimes. You'll, be, you'll start a quiet song and the people in the front row will still start, will still keep on talking and it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's well, a rough yeah, thing. And I think especially here, not Denton, but just in the US. Yeah. Like that, but also Denton. That doesn't happen anywhere. Also, didn't. I mean, but. quiet concerts, like sit down concerts, people are yeah. quiet. But if I think there's a thing that if you're standing, you just think that talking Somehow is it's okay, right? Yeah. And um, but then they would go crazy between songs, and that was very yeah. that, that was that was nice. Yeah, and to steal Jack White's thought, you know, people go to a theater, like people still go to movies. I mean, people torrent and whatnot, but people still go to movies knowing this is the quintessential experience of right. how to experience a movie, but. People will go to a, a live concert because that is the experience to, or most of the times, how to experience mm-hmm. music. Uh, but they still sit there and talk, or they'll they'll be at the bar half the show and then they'll show up and right. in the middle of the show, like people don't treat like it'd be super great if we could go back to that kind of mentality of like this is how you're supposed to enjoy the music. And and to be there is no like. Because, you know, I don't want it to be like there's a supposed to enjoy. And music is a, one of the beautiful oh, yeah. things of music is it is a collective experience. But it's it, it should be an ex- collective experience of experiencing the music. 
and not a collective experience of talking about your day, not a collective experience about like taking pictures of you at the show and stuff. I mean, I don't that that aspect of it seems weird. Like, you know, back in the day, do that before the show, that kind of stuff. Or one one point, you know, be like, I went to the show, you know, that's cool. But like, like, it just feels like um, music is a special thing that could take you to a, a special place and not just like a social experience it's not a uh, commodity really in that sense that like oh i went to this show and now i have this picture to show off it, it's more of like a, well there's that picture it didn't happen mentality of people. yeah exactly you know, picture it didn't happen it's like no man that, that then did 99.9 percent of history not happen yeah, you like, know because what do you have to prove right. like it's just like you know it's a personal thing yeah yeah and and not to say that like live music is the way to enjoy music because there are people well, for i know certain plenty... bands though that is the way like... yeah. yeah and certain bands are way better headphones like yeah. Yeah. most honestly to me heavy music I, is way better of a headphone experience than live experience i've seen yeah, my favorite part, prog metal bands live and it's not the same things. You put the headphones on. There's the layers. You can close your eyes. You know, you see you see four dudes with long hair playing this epic, this stuff with no stage presence sometimes and none of the overdubs. It doesn't quite take you to that other world as much. Jazz music or something, improvisational music, I feel, is a million percent a live thing. Yeah. And- you know, that's the difference. But, like, you know, certain rock things, my favorite, when I was growing up, you know, like, I was super into the Smashing Pumpkins. I still think like their studio work is the greatest. Every live thing I've ever heard of them, especially then, was atrocious. Yeah, atrocious. It, I and like I still singing, but it, it, live, it's just one of those things where I'm like, unbelievable. Mm. And they can't even play live. It's just like smacking at the guitar. And in the studio, the best guitar orchestrations of all time: Siamese oh, yeah. Dream, Melancholy, Infinite Sadness. The be- I, 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 I think those are the coolest guitar albums ever. Yeah, Siamese way cooler Dream than is Shredded. Perfect. Unbelievable! Yeah. Just like the every tone, everything is, and so that I think is a perfect album. I've listened to that, and I still listen to that. And the, oh, yeah. but like, I don't, I don't think hearing Soma, the song live, would have been nearly as impactful as the recording of it. So like, I you know certain kinds of music, you know, which is beautiful. I think every you know certain you know, you know there's no hard and fast rule for these things. Yeah, and also there are people like I'm pretty sure my brother doesn't like live shows. Like he'll come out to my shows and stuff, but he doesn't want to go pay to see you know someone you know just like whatever his favorite band is i mean but he likes music and you know some people i mean the beatles became a studio band and people fucking love them so you know Mm -hmm. something there's a little something for everybody the studio is an instrument the studio is great i love recording if if recording was more of a financially feasible thing i would record way more (laughs) yeah uh so you guys want to talk about what we're listening to i don't know I don't have a sound to go with this. No, that's all right. Yeah, we normally have a sound, like a little thing to go into. There you go. Perfect. (laughs) Remix. Yeah, exactly. Adam, what do you think? And I like it, having everybody make their own sounds. Yeah, except for, uh, I think one time we put somebody on the spot, and I was like, oh shit, I feel bad. Yeah, that's that's true. (laughs) Like, normally we'll put someone on the spot, and this is towards the end of the episode where people are feeling more comfortable, and then they'll do something, and it's pretty funny, even if it's stupid. But sometimes I'm like, oh shit, I'm an asshole. Um, We'll start, and then y'all. Cool. We'll get to yeah. you guys. Um, so I've just been listening to a lot of Miles Davis, actually. Nice. Uh, specifically, Kind of Blue, Sketches of Spain, uh, Sorcerer, Bitches Brew. Good choices. All good choices. I don't know if that was pandering, but <laughs> a little bit, maybe. Um, and I'm trying to find, or I found recently, the complete sessions of Bitches Brew. So that's that's the one again. time to listen to all that, because yeah. it's like six hours or something like that. So <laughs> Yeah, all this stuff has such a vibe to it. There's a live album called Black Beauty um it's it's recorded uh the same time as bitches brew 
and it's a lot of the same tunes as Bitches Brew, but it's live in 1969 okay. in California. Whew, it's so good. That's one of my favorite. I'll have to go find that too. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I've been listening to. So nice. Yeah, well, Jackson. I've been listening to Chet Baker and uh, <laughs> now. Um, uh, I have been very consciously staying away from Reddit this week because uh, Amazon has been having a lot of vinyl sales mm, yeah. all week and <laughs> i've seen some of my like favorite albums for like 10 bucks i'm like no i don't need it i'm, I'm good <laughs> like i already own the album i don't need it on vinyl now like so i've been staying away from that but uh american football just came out with a new album lp3 i, I, I like it a lot they, they're they're breaking free of that kind of like midwest uh teen emo thing which i love that stuff like the 90s stuff uh and not the rest so much but uh this new one, it feels super adult, and which is not something I'd ever thought I'd say about American football. So I've been really enjoying that. Not for everyone, but I love it. And um, not that I give a shit, but the, it, it's Pitchfork approved. Nice. <laughs> which, fuck yeah, Pitchfork. Usually you don't care. I don't, but it is one of those things. When I saw that, I was like, That's oh, well, though, yeah. yeah, well, not only do I like it, but whatever they are like it. No. I don't like pitchfork at all. Yeah. That, that I hate that mentality of pitchfork approved. But I honestly don't really know. It, 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 I don't think they've ever written about things that I like. They're, yeah. they're, they're they. That's fair. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, there there's some bands cool that release some of the best albums of last year, and I've noticed that like it's had like zero reviews from any. Quote look at us. I mean, we're we're kind of one stuff. of the few bands actually from New York City to be successful, and New York City press has not given us one ounce of love because we're not cool you know bands that bring a quarter of the people that we bring get full articles written about them in new york and we were like from there and we're doing cool things but we you know our our, our pants are either too loose or too tight or, you know what i'm saying who knows yeah. that so who knows yeah you don't have frets on your guitar we try That's i think confusing it's what it is, to is people. That we try hard. they're like he couldn't afford frets <laughs> unfortunately spent all my money on pedals yeah so what are you guys listening to um, I've been kind of all over the place lately, past like year or two, I've gotten into some new things, like, um, one has been piano player Tigran Hamasian, has, a uh, an album that's called Mock Root that came out a couple of years ago, it's in particular, like a live trio version of that, a lot of that music has been one of the things I've been like repeating a lot, uh, one of the new discoveries for me has been John Prine, I'm like way late on John Prine train. But it's been cool because I just discovered him. I've heard his name before, but I just started really digging into his catalog and like getting into the music for real. And uh, he's had like a real resurgence in his career. He had like a, a lot of like, not straight political things, but he would do a lot of like social satire songs and kind of with what's going on, like just in current events and stuff, his new album and his whole stuff is kind of like resurfaced as like, He's real old, but he's become almost more relevant, relevant than uh, relevant than than uh, ever before. So I've gotten into him, uh, Ween. We get him really into Ween. Like how you're saying with like live bands, I always like liked them. And then I saw a live show for the first time like two years ago, and seen him a few times since, and like totally hooked. Um, those have been some of the things I've been like revisiting, but I'm. I'm constantly shuffling through all sorts of stuff. Uh, Latin music, bluegrass, rock, classic rock, Little Feet, the band have been like kind of new things for me to get into. I'm like always trying to 
dig into the things I feel like I've missed. Like someone was just talking to me last night about the Melvins. And I feel mm-hmm. like I just like missed the Melvins somehow. I Melvins like, are rad. I know. It, From what I've heard, it's great. I just don't have an album and I never got into it. I, so got, like, some, I got some Melvins I can give you. Yeah. Like, so like, I, I feel like I, I try and do that every now and then. Like, uh, I'm really into Zap. I've been listening to a lot of Zap lately. But like with that point, I, one thing I'm always trying to do is like with books and stuff is like read the classics kind of like frankenstein and moby dick and all these like books that are just in general consciousness and things people reference and yeah. you read them and then you watch movies and tv shows and you're like oh I, I never realized that was a reference to this or they're playing off that yeah so you I, can do that same stuff with music that's I mean, exactly where i've been at rumors, yeah that kind of stuff. exactly so I'm, a lot of the stuff i'm i'm like often not hip to what's new but i'm like trying to fill in the gaps of like stuff i might have missed it's like major things in like american or world music that i just feel like people should know that you know i'm like wow i'm a person i should know that too (laughs) yeah exactly yeah i was looking at it like i'm not a super avid reader and when i am reading it's typically just like music trivia that kind of shit Mm -hmm. like right now i'm reading about norwegian black metal scene just like are you reading lords of chaos i am i read that when i was in college yeah so it's it's one of those things where like i'm not an avid reader and if I am, it's a very specific thing. I don't take recommendations typically. Yeah. And I could look at a bookshelf, like a tall one, and know that like I will never listen or <laughs> never read that many books in my life. And that's fine. That's totally cool. But I do have that feeling of kind of like I could get through all the classics of music yeah, if like, I tried. I, I, I see I those books. It. I see those books that are like a thousand records you should hear before you die type things. So I'm like, yeah. I'll. I want to check those off. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, I can totally do that. Like I, I see no issue with that. But if somebody told me, here's a thousand books you need to read, I'd be like, fuck off. Like, that's not happening. I'm not going to read 10 of those books, dude. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Gabriel? Um, for this tour, uh, the Smithsonian record label just released uh, like 125 UNESCO field recording things. So I got like, I spent too much money. I got like 10 different like recordings, like, uh, music from the tea houses of afghanistan and you know music from tajikis just stuff like that that's that's and so i've been super hardcore going through that and figuring like uh listening to like tunes that i want to transcribe and learn and like phrasing things that i know don't know how to do and stuff like that so because most of what i listen to is like the eastern stuff and a lot of free jazz stuff that that seems to be like persian classical music or the world music and like free jazz or out new york jazz right now is so much cool stuff is happening. So many unbelievable musicians. Um, like uh, my favorite live band that I've seen the last couple of years is this uh, saxophone quartet called Battle Trance. And it's just four tenor players and it's just live. It's the, the coolest thing I've ever seen maybe. It's just like, it just, the harmon- everything about it is just unbelievable. Um, so live wise, that's, that's, that, that would be like the, the modern recommendation. But for this, for this tour, it's been mostly these UNESCO field recording things. Um, I'll, I'll normally like, I mostly listen to music on tour because when I'm home, it's like playing and, you know, so there's not as much listening. Uh, so before every tour, I try to get like 10 or 15 CDs and then be like, all right, I'm going to listen to the crap out of these. I'm going to get a couple more at the Dan Silverleaf. I'm going to go on and download a couple more tonight because we got a, a long drive. Yeah. I have uh, a couple queued up, um, ready to go. Yeah. So that's, that, that's one of those things that, that it's fun whenever you're going on a long car trip. Like, yeah, man. You know, 13 new plus albums. albums. It's just like, go buy some albums. Don't buy, you don't need to buy like 20 of them, but maybe buy five and yeah. listen to those over and over well, that's again. What I'm so you really get to know that I have my recently added plate thing on it on, on iTunes. And that's just, that's basically, I haven't gone to anything else. I just have like my 
either out. So basically, I'm still listening to them in order, but in a couple, you know, by middle of next week's drives, I'll probably put them on random and stuff like that. Um, I think you're talking to like the only people in the world who still go by recently at it on their iTunes. Adam and I don't stream at all. Like, I, 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 well, I don't stream, and most of the things I want aren't available for streaming. Like, like yeah. I, I want to listen to Persian classical music. I want to listen to music from, you know, Uzbekistan, and I want to hear David S. Ware play free jazz and stuff like that. I'm not going to necessarily go and be like, oh, you know, sometimes I remember we had an Alexa at one spot, and I would be like, play, you know, play Coltrane, and it would have like three Coltrane albums. And like, nah, man, I have like 50 Coltrane albums. I want that. I want every single thing that that man ever recorded. And so, you know, you need to get those. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Are y'all, y'all good? Um, I think we're all good. Check us out. <laughs> ConsiderTheSourceMusic.com You Are Literally Your Metaphor is the new album available on all streaming purchase, uh, platforms. Which we all approve of. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to our stuff and come see us live. You know, that's that 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 would be the thing to, to end end this with is check out the yeah, album. Yeah, I would but say then that's the best Come check us out live. Go see a live show. Yeah. Is see you live. Yeah, y'all are on tour right now. Mm-hmm. When we release this, y'all will still be on tour. And if you're listening to this a year from now, Chances are we'll still be on tour. tour. <laughs> we'll be back on That's tour. Right. So if you're listening to this album and you just missed us in in your in your city, October through December, we'll be back in your city. So yeah. check it then. Yeah, which you know, not that can't be said about most of the touring acts we have on here. So yeah, man, it's really nice that this won't date too much. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for coming in. Thanks uh, for having us, man. Here's a tune. Mm-hmm.